You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Eric Moore. Dr. Moore is a professor at Moody Theological Seminary and also the lead pastor at Tree of Life Church. Welcome. Thank you. Well, good morning, Kensington, Clarkston. Uh, I live down in the Redford area, and I thought I was driving to Traverse City this morning, coming out here. But uh, especially in the rain. But it was—it's good to—it's good to be here. Uh, now I, I have to. I, I Jeremiah asked me. Uh, he says, "I'm going on vacation. Can you speak for me?" And uh, I, I just got—I just, I just got one thing uh, that you, a limitation, and that is you cannot be. Political. You you cannot talk about politics. You 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 cannot. Don't say anything. I don't want to. I don't want to come back and hear that you have said one thing political. But I'm sorry, Jeremiah. How about them Wolverines? Yeah. <laughs> now my heart my heart breaks for you Buckeye fans. Not really. Uh, but I still hope that if you are a Buckeye fan, you'll still listen to the message today. But uh, I am definitely go blue, so I am excited uh, about what happened yesterday. Even in the rain today, it is a, a good day. Well, you guys have been doing this four-week series on tables, and today is the uh, final installation of that series and looking at the Lord's table. And there's going to be a time for us to take uh, the Lord's Supper together today. Um, as well. But if you have your Bible, I want to invite you because uh, part of this uh, today is we're going to look at this uh, journey uh, that the disciples took to the table. And we're going to see if there's anything uh, in these passages of Scripture that may even speak to us. Uh, Now, the Lord's Supper was during the Passover Supper in the the time of unleavened bread. And it's about, Jesus is about uh, on his way to the cross. And so he's going to have this uh, dinner with his disciples. And so in in Mark 14, and we're going to look at some of the verses in in this chapter. In in Mark 14, uh, verse 12, uh, the disciples come to him and he says this here, on the first day, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now, I want to look at this right here before we move any further, because uh, they have spent three, three and a half years with Jesus. And if this had been two years before, uh, they probably would have been freaking out. They would have said, well, Jesus, what are we going to do? Here it is. It's the week of the Passover, and we don't have a place to, 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 to have dinner. We don't have a Passover lamb. We don't have uh, anything prepared. We don't, have, we don't have anything. But now, since they have been walking with Jesus... Uh, They are calmer. They uh, know that Jesus is somehow going to work this thing out. They don't know how, but they know uh, he's going to work it out. And so they they come with an attitude of, Lord, what do you want? Not what we want or even what we see. What do you want? Matter of fact, if we look at this passage, we see uh, two times they say, where do you want us to go? And make preparations for 
you to eat the Passover. Uh, they have finally come to a place where they are trusting Jesus. Now, now once again, if you, if, you, if, you, if you walk with the disciples, with Jesus, you see that this has been a journey to get to the point where they can trust him. And the reality is that that's the same for us. Uh, that if you tell me that you trust Jesus totally, either you are a psychotic or a liar. We are on this journey of trusting him more and more. And they have begun the whole trusting process of knowing that even though they don't know what's going to happen, they can trust Jesus. There's a commercial. I can't remember what it's about. You, you ever seen that? You, you, you see a commercial. It's a good commercial. You like the commercial, but you don't have the slightest idea what that commercial was about. Well, that's, I remember this commercial, right? There's this uh, man, he's in the swimming pool, and his little boy is on the edge of the swimming pool, and he's holding his hands out for his little boy to jump. And, and the little boy has to think about it for a moment, but then he jumps into his dad's arms. And it's a beautiful commercial because the dad is smiling, and he's smiling, and you, you get warm and fuzzies. Well... <laughs> <clears throat> when my daughter was about four years old, and she loved water, couldn't swim, but she loved to be in water. And, and we were in this pool up in Saginaw Valley. We were actually, I, I remember we were in Saginaw Valley's pool. Uh, there was a, a conference up there, and she went up there with me. The whole family did. And so I put this little vest on her, you know, one of those floaty vests. And so she wanted to, <laughs> she wanted to get into the water, but she was so short. And so since she was about three feet tall, uh, we were at the pool where it was four feet. And so I thought I'd just have some fun. And so I took her and dangled her over the water, four feet, she's three feet. And so I just went bonsai and I dropped her. And she went right down into the water. I still see her face to this day. And there was panic on her face. And I mean, she was like, oh, and she thought she was going to drown. But because she had the vest, what happened? She came right up. When she was coming up, I knew one thing. If I had a panic look on my face, she was going to freak out. But if I was smiling, which I did, and was like, good girl, she came up, and that panic changed, and all of a sudden, she was good. She thought she was swimming. She learned the hard way that she could trust her dad. Jesus put his disciples in all type of situations, and sometimes those situations were hard, but he was doing it so that they could learn to trust him. Some of you might be going through some tough situations right now. We celebrate the holidays, but sometimes the holidays brings pain and painful memories and challenges, but God might just be teaching us to trust him even in the midst of the difficulty. The disciples had come to a place where they could trust Jesus. And so in verse 13, 
It says, so he sent two of the disciples, that is, he sent Peter and John, (laughs) telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you, follow him. Disciples didn't know what they were going to do, but Jesus says, okay, this is what I want you to do. The rest of you stay here, but John and Peter, I want you to go into Jerusalem. And and even though Jerusalem is busy and is hopping because it is the time of the Passover and people are selling and buying and and moving or whatever, I want you to go into the city. And uh, when you get there, there's going to be a guy with a jar of water, follow him. Now, I don't know if that, (laughs) if you get that, but, (laughs) okay, well, what's his name? Uh, (laughs) What does he look like? It's crowded in Jerusalem, Jesus. Jesus just tells them to go, and they go. Now, for Thanksgiving... I was downtown Detroit, and I participated in this race called the, what is it, the, the, the Stuffing Strut. That's right, the Stuffing Strut. The Stuffing Strut was the 5K run. The Turkey Trot was the 10K run. The Mashed Potato was the one-mile run. And, and altogether, there were over 20,000 people in downtown Detroit, just for that. And then after that was the parade. And so there was a bunch of people on the side of the road for the parade. And then you had the football game. <laughs> and so there was at least 65,000 people down there for the football game. That would be like me saying to you, hey, I, I got two tickets to the Lions game. And I gave him to a guy, and he's going to be downtown with a green jacket on. (laughs) The disciples went through the gate, and they were looking for a guy with a jar, which was unusual, because the guys generally had a leather bottle of water, not a jar of water. A jar of water is something that the servants would have, so that narrows it down some. But here's the key of this verse. It says, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. The man knew who John and Peter were. The man was looking for them. All they needed to do was go and go through the gate, and the man with the jar would find them. You know, Jesus always has people looking for us. Always. Always. You know, Think about how we came to know Jesus. Maybe, maybe that man with the jar was our, was our parents. Maybe it was a, a sibling. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was one day when you went to church, but somebody was looking for you. And for some who may not even know Jesus yet, 
You might even be here today or watching online, but, but, but somebody invited you. That, 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 that neighbor that keeps bugging you, that co-worker that keeps praying for you. God has given them an assignment, and that assignment is to look out for you and to bring you into relationship with Jesus. Jesus tells them to go, they go, and Jesus has somebody who is waiting and looking for them. Verse 14, (laughs) Jesus gives them Peter and John instructions. He says, say to the owner of the house, uh, he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready, make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Jesus followed the guy. When he gets to the house... Ask him about the room, and he'll show you a room, and the room is fully furnished, and that's where you will prepare the meal. Now, disciples, Peter and John had a lot to do. They had an awful lot to do. I mean, they had to go into Jerusalem. They had to find a lamb without spot or blemish. They had to get the lamb slaughtered. They had to prepare the lamb. They had to get unleavened bread. They had to get bitter herbs. And the biggest thing they had to do was at this late moment, they had to find a place to hold the dinner. But Jesus had already taken care of the major obstacle already. But he invited them to participate in what he was doing. He invited them to participate. That's what, that's what Jesus does. We just saw this video of this great ministry that's going on in, in Pontiac. And Jesus is inviting us to be a part of what he is already doing. My son and I, we, he's in his early 20s, and we decided we were going to do something different. You know, he's getting, he's getting older now. He's last year at Oakland University, and you know, he's starting to find out that his dad knew what he was talking about when he was younger. You know, up until that time, I was kind of stupid. Now, all of a sudden, I've become smart. So now he wants to hang out with me a little bit. And so, so last year, <laughs> what we did was we said, okay, well, every year, why don't we go to an NFL game in a different city? So last year, we started. And I said, okay, let's, let's go to D.C., and watch the Washington football team play the Seattle Seahawks because Seattle is, uh, don't take this the wrong way. Don't, okay, this wasn't even part of my sermon. I'm just going to go here for a minute. You know, I, I used to take my son to a Lions game every year since he's about this high. And he asked me when he was about eight, so, Dad, when, when's the last time the Lions been to the Super Bowl? And he asked it in public, too. 
And so all the other people started answering before I could answer. And so now he's like Lions averse. So now his, his new team is the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, I just, want, I just want to let you know that. That's why. So I said, okay, well, let's go see the Seattle Seahawks. They're going to play the Washington football team. And, and, and so what I did is I, I got the tickets. I got the place for us to stay. I paid for my airplane flight. But I said, if you really want to go, you got to pay for your own you have to participate. I've already arranged everything for you to go, but you have to be involved. Jesus invites us into what he's already prepared for us. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says it this way. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, don't miss this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has already prepared great works for us to do, and he invites us in to participate in what he's already prepared for us. And why does he do that? Why does he do that? Well, John 13 helps us to understand why Jesus not only invites us into what he's prepared, but also invites the disciples into this Passover meal and invites you and I into the Lord's Supper. John 13, verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover meal. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus invites us into the works he's already prepared for us, and he invites us to the Lord's Supper because he loves us. He loves us. He created us. He's provided for us. He invites us into his life. It was just Thanksgiving, right? We just had that wonderful opportunity to enjoy Thanksgiving meals and uh, you probably would have been with some of your family members, uh, some you like, some not so much, but at least the family was together. And, and ever since I was a kid, my grandmother used to always have Thanksgiving meal over, over her house, and we would go over there, and my grandmother would be there, my grandfather would be there, my aunts and my uncles and myriad of cousins, and we would, we would be there, and we would always give grace and, and thank the Lord for what he's done and just hang out and have a good time. And then my grandmother and my grandfather, they passed a number of years ago, and we wondered, okay, well, how is this tradition going to continue. And so my mom and dad began to have Thanksgiving meal at, at their house. And so now uh, their sons and, and grandkids and, and, and daughters-in-laws 
come over to their house. And it's, it's just a wonderful thing. And, and why do we invite? Why do we invite family over our house for this meal? Because the hosts love the guests. They want to be with them. They want to talk with them. They want to share a meal with them and create memories with them. And so Jesus says that we are his family. And when we come to the Lord's Supper, he is inviting his family into a meal with him because he is creating memories and he loves us and wants to be with us. I actually think this hit me the most this year. This year. My, my youngest daughter, the one that has trust issues now because I dropped her off to the edge of that pool. But she graduated during COVID from high school. And so she didn't get to do her senior trip. Her first year of college was online and basically in her bedroom at home. Her sophomore year was the, the same thing. Classes online in her bedroom. But now she's a junior. And she was able to move out of the house and, and live on campus. And man, this is just wonderful for her. She got her own car and she got her own part-time job and it's it's all good you know we don't hardly see her anymore and so she she came home the night before thanksgiving she came home night wednesday she came home night before thanksgiving i was in the bed you know i didn't want to seem too excited so i just stayed in the bed you know like 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 you know well you know she just came in but of course i was like yay hey she finally came home and so I see her in the morning, it's all good, and, you know, we're having a good time, and then we go over to grandparents' house and have this great Thanksgiving dinner, and it's just wonderful to see my daughter there, and all that, it's just, it's, just, it's just great. And then we come home, and uh, she go in the bedroom, I said, oh, man, this is be cool, she's, she's going to stay here the whole, she's going to stay here all four days, it's good, you know, I miss my daughter, yeah, yeah, yeah. About... 8 o'clock at night, she get up fully dressed, talking about I'm going back to school. I'm like, what do you mean you're going back to school? You know what I mean, I, I thought we was going to bond. <laughs> I thought this is all good. I thought, man, I, I, I miss you. I want you to hang out. But she got in the car, packed her clothes, and went back to school. And I said, man, maybe... That's a tinge of what Jesus feels. When we come to his supper and we, and we run through it and we say, thank you, Jesus, this is all good. And then we run off and don't think about him again until it's time to do it again. How does Jesus feel? See, I think the meal is a reminder of the relationship 
that, that is here to, re, to remind us what he's done for us and to say, hey, don't forget about me. We're in relationships. This is more than a meal. This is an ongoing conversation and relationship that you are serving right along with me. And I, I love everything about you. So Jesus does this because he loves us. But also, John 13, verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer garment, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus not only loves us, but he desires to serve us, to demonstrate his love. The God of creation came down to this earth not only died for our sin, but also was willing to take on the role of a servant and wash the disciples' feet. This shows that we are special to Jesus. A number of years ago, I spoke at a high school, middle school chapel service. And I actually preached John 13. They asked me to preach on John 13, so I, I did. I spoke on John 13. <laughs> and, and just so happened that one of a young lady, teenager, and our church went to the school. And she had been sharing how even in the Christian school, she was getting picked on, she was getting bullied, she was being made fun of. And so I called her mother and I said, do you, do, you think that, do you think that as I do this chapel, I could do something special? I said, I just, I just, I just want to make sure it's okay. It's a new day, new age. Is it okay if I touch your daughter's feet? And you know you got to get permission for that. Is it okay? It says, yeah, Pastor, no problem. No problem. I said, okay, 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 I want to do that. So at that chapel, this young lady who I knew was being made fun of, criticized, bullied, I said, I'm going to demonstrate this in action. So I called the young lady. I asked her if she would come up, sit down, pulled out a basin of water, and I washed her feet. She told me the next Sunday <clears throat> at church, she said, Pastor, that was so cool. I didn't know what you were going to do, but now everybody's coming up to me. They was like, hey, how did he call you out? Oh, man, that was great. That was just wonderful. Oh, man, you must be, you must be really special. Washing her feet communicated to all her students, fellow students, that she was special. 
Jesus washed disciples' feet, showing that the God of creation would humble himself as a servant and demonstrate that not only did he love them, but they were special to him. Each of us are uniquely special to God. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.